Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows is an epic-inspired podcast that brings innovation to professional development. Well, welcome back to When the Wind Blows. This is an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, and anyone vested in the world of education. And I am so pleased to have this guest back on today. We're kind of shifting gears from leadership, and we are talking about the audit and termination proceedings that everybody's wondering about. And so, Shelly, thank you with the shortest of notice being able to come on the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm happy to be here today, Erin. I know that given recent events, our staff and families in particular have lots of questions about these matters, so I'm, I'm happy to be here today. Well, and I know we've got outside of Epic listeners as well, so you know, just being able to keep everyone abreast of the information would be you awesome. Uh, well, re- remind me, um, remind the listeners uh, what your role is here and, and what all does that entail? Well, I am EPIC's Assistant Superintendent of Communications, so I'm responsible, you know, with my my department is responsible for all of the internal and external communication that we do as a school. Um, We also are in charge of customer service and community affairs, and so um, our plates have been full lately because there's been lots going on, but we are... um, pleased and eager to make sure that everybody who wants to have accurate information about Epic gets it. Awesome. And thank you. So let's just kind of go through the timeline. A, for nine years, is it nine years Epic has been under investigation by the OSBI? It's, it's been about that long. Sure. I mean, it, it, we were, we are, as the people who are in our model know, we're very unique in the way that we are structured and um, we were new for Oklahoma when we started. Um, this is our 10th year. Um, and that, you know, drew scrutiny from the beginning. Um, I think that the important thing that we've been trying to stress um, year in and year out is that, you know, we're all for transparency and um, being accountable. And, and as people have continued to study us and investigate us, they, they see that we follow the law. So, um, and, you know, as you know, most of the people on our staff are, are longtime public educators. I've been in public education since 1994. So um, serving boys and girls and, um, you know, that's my mission. And I know that's the mission of all of my colleagues, too. Well, and you just brought up a good point and um, it's not in my notes, but but you're right. We have an incredible number of teachers that have been in brick and mortar before an incredible number of administrators here. We've got people who have worked with the state department before, uh, and and they're here now after they you know left their role there, um, and so myself included, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, several people who who really know and get education and are not backing away or fearful of what we're doing, and and the proof will be in the pudding, you know, at the at the end Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Well, back um, last year, uh, Governor Stitt ordered an audit to happen. October 1st, the the audit drops and people were just shocked. What on earth? 
could Epic have been doing? But but within 24 hours, Epic put out uh, a public uh, publication with the rebuttal. Right. Do you know theirs was what 124 pages? Ours was 128 pages, something like just point tit for tat. It, it, it's really close to that. Yes, I mean, it, w- what was really interesting is when the state audit came out on us on October first. Um, typically, they allow the the entity that they're auditing to have a response within the audit, um, you know, a, a management letter, if you will. Um, they did not allow us to to do that. And so unlike most of the state audits that are out there, there there's no response from the entity being, you know, audited. So uh, we knew that it, if, if we were going to get a response out there, we were going to have to do it ourselves. So we did issue a point-by-point legal response. And like, as you said, the audit is long. Our response, therefore, is long. And so... Um, regretfully, I don't think a lot of people have invested a lot of time and energy in reading our response. It certainly hasn't really been covered in the news media. We've attempted to uh, boil it down to an executive summary, short videos. We've shared it with lawmakers, uh, you know, but it is on our website. Um, you can go to epictruth.com and find those materials there as well. Um, and, you know, it, it's a challenge. Um, audits are, um, by their very nature, um, complicated, and um, the the investigative audit that was done on Epic, as as we've pointed out numerous times, we found many many design flaws with it, as well as calculation issues. So um, it's it, it's we've been methodically trying to seek opportunities to go through this audit with those people who are relying on it um, to inform their decisions about Epic. Yeah, well, uh, it wasn't until the board meeting I heard a number thrown out. I'd heard here and there that it was kind of flawed and that there were errors errors throughout. But at the board meeting, uh, Bill Hickman said something like 36% error rate. Is that true? Well, that's the error rate that the state auditor and inspector acknowledges. Uh, we believe there's a, a, a higher error rate than 36%. But they, within, I think it was about a month or so after releasing the October 1 audit, they revised some of their findings, and that resulted in a 36% um, variance or error rate than what they originally published. And which, ironically, just 13 days later, the statewide virtual charter school board relied on to seek to terminate our contract. So after they voted to terminate, to, to, to pursue termination hearings, the state auditor comes out with revisions that show that October 1 audit was flawed. Um, and again, we think that there is a greater rate of error than 36%, and we are methodic, have methodically you know, shown that and are in discussions with the Department of Education and others to show where those errors are, but I think it's very notable that the, you know, the agency, the auditor and inspectors agency itself um, indicated that there was errors. And so that, and it's, it's, I guess just a little crazy to me. Um, And I'm, I've only been in education for 12 to 14 years, depending on if you want to count the paraprofessional years or whatever, but 
I would think that I'm not a new guy at this anymore. And it just seems insane to me that uh, people are able to to throw us into a category with uh, a piece of information. I mean, a, a, a legal document that says it's not true. Uh, do you think people's minds are just made up or to quote the Hamilton musical, there are just too many damn pages for any man to understand? Do you, what, what do you think it is? I, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, and certainly this has all been played out in a very political environment. Well, um, and political for everybody but us. We're not allowed to tell it. Yeah, absolutely. Except um, for the people who want to tune in. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to give the impression, you know, to listeners that Epic is perfect. I mean, we are an organization that is run by humans. So there, sometimes we do make mistakes. Sometimes we don't get it right. But I think one thing that everybody on the staff shares in common is when we don't get it right, we fix it and we make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, that being said, no laws have been broken. Um, nobody has, has done anything criminal. Um, are there things that we could do better? Sure. And our Board of Education has been very proactive in taking some of the aspects of that audit that um, were suggestions for better practices. There, there are some things in the audit that we've acted on. And there may be more things that we act on. But it the the painting of the school as some type of criminal enterprise and the, its people as criminals that's what's been so disappointing to see play out because um, and I know it's been somewhat demoralizing for some of the people on our staff and that's why I wanted to come on today to let them know you know there's a lot of work going on there's a lot of productive dialogue happening with all of the the entities involved but that that is the one thing about this how this has played out since October that, you know, being a, a long time um, public educator myself, I'm um, working in politics for as long as I did. It, it's been very, very sad to see. So everybody kind of wants to know, like, what was Tuesday's meeting? What happened and why did they not dismiss the case uh, as was requested? And they, they offered well, to hold a hearing anyway. Let's, let's, let's start just to make sure that everybody understands the basics and that Epic Charter Schools has two charters. We have the one-on-one -on -one charter, which serves all of our students in the 75 counties that are not Tulsa and Oklahoma County. And that charter is authorized by the statewide virtual charter school board. Then we have our Epic Blended Learning Charter that is sponsored by Rose State University and that charter includes everybody who's enrolled with us in Tulsa and Oklahoma County. So the statewide virtual charter school board has no jurisdiction over our programs in Tulsa and Oklahoma County. It's the other 75 counties involved. So it's those operations that are impacted by any potential decision with the statewide virtual charter school board. So I want to make sure everybody understands that. Um, so on April 6th, the statewide virtual charter school board had its regular meeting. And that was notable because the last three meetings had been canceled. And so we have not had the opportunity to argue motions, to, um, to really be in front of the statewide virtual charter school board, to um, potentially be able to tell our side before any type of termination hearing um, until 
April 6th. And so uh, we didn't know if we were going to get to argue our motion to dismiss, and we didn't really um, get to argue it. Uh, they indicated they would give us 10 minutes to, to, to give an overview of it. Um, and so that's what happened. Um, we had 10 minutes. Our general counsel went uh, quickly through the motion and why we believed that termination proceedings were wrong. And we're making that video, by the way, available on Facebook, either today or tomorrow at the very latest. Um, anyway, then they went into executive session. They came out and they didn't rule against the motion necessarily because they didn't agree with it. They ruled against the motion because they said their administrative law rules did not allow for motions of summary judgment, which is what ours was. We may disagree whether their rules prevent that or not, but that is what they said their basis was. And so then after they made that, that vote, they voted to set our termination hearing for May 11th and 12th. Now, what was significant about that is that the two attorneys involved in this, the, the, the attorney that's acting as a prosecutor, if you will, against EPIC, and EPIC's general counsel, neither one of them had indicated that those dates would work heretofore. They had offered other dates, um, but the statewide virtual charter school board came back and said they wanted to hold termination hearing in May. And then they indicated that they were going to limit the hearing to two days. Um, and that was interesting, too, because both attorneys said it's not possible yeah. to hold this hearing in just two days because... When you talk about, uh, when, you, when you get into the introduction of evidence on both sides, examination of witnesses, cross-examination of witnesses, this all takes a lot of time. And the prosecution gets to put on their case first, and then we get to uh, put on our case. And so, you know, it's conceivable the prosecution could take a day and a half, and then we're just left with half a day to go through all of ours, which is just not possible. So... You know, we don't really know what's going to happen there, but, um, I, I, you know, I do think that the statewide virtual charter school board, you know, like the, the educators at Epic are good people. Sure. Um, I don't know that they completely understood the challenges that they, that, that they've, they've put before us with just two days like that. Um, and I'm not kind of, you know, I'm not sure how we're going to be able to do that. We're just going to do it the best we can. Um, but that was a, a really interesting meeting from that perspective. Yeah. There's one thing I really want everyone to know is that regardless of what the statewide virtual charter school board may or may not do, we are provided robust um, appellate opportunities. And so the 21-22 school year, because of that, is not going to be impacted. I know there's been a lot of people uh, calling that are parents or families worried that they're not going to have a job or they're not going to have a school next year if they're in the one-on-one -on -one program. And I want to be, I really want them to know that we, we do believe that because of all of our appeal opportunities, um, that that next school year is not going to be impacted at all. And we are very, very confident in our legal standing here. We really, really are. All right. So you think the final answer comes May 14th or... I mean, are they set to make judgment that day after the, the hearing closes? If, if we get through, <laughs> um, you know, it's still a question of whether or not both sides can get through their cases in two days. And so 
I think you're, you know, everyone is going to just cross that bridge if and when we come to it. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, and, and another thing that was on the statewide virtual charter school board agenda on April 6th that I think is, you know, it's something that's been in the news reports and it's also very notable is that they had an item on the agenda for a possible settlement with Epic. And um, Epic has indicated that it's very open to that. I mean, we want to work with our authorizer and we want to strengthen where we can. So we're open to settlement, but there was no settlement for the board to consider at that time. So they didn't take action on it. But there is always the possibility that there could be a settlement before any termination hearing. Is it... uh their legal counsel that has to provide the the starting you know, point for that? I, I really don't know about, you know, the various ways that that could happen. I just think it's important for people to know that the educators, uh, the, the, the people working at Epic who are a part of this, um, you know, our board chair and, and others, our superintendent, others who have been involved in um, working cooperatively with the statewide virtual charter school board and others, that they have the mindset and, and the heart and the willingness to um, come to terms of settlement if that's something that's that's something that the statewide virtual charter school board would would seek. You know, I had somebody called me uh, Tuesday night on my drive home, and she's like, "I watch a lot of SVU and Blue Blood, so I'm trying to wrap my head around how this is going to go." And I was like, "Yeah, but there's not really a ju- the board is who we present this to, correct? Right? There's no judge or jury." As the judge and the jury okay. on it. Um, but again, um, you know, due process provides multiple ways of seeking appeal. If, um, you know, they vote to terminate us, we, we would hope not. Um, it would take three votes of the three members who are currently able to vote um, to, to terminate us. Um, but if they did, there, we have um, appellate opportunities with the State Board of Education who has been listening to us and and who has been presented information in response to the audit that the statewide virtual charter school board has not yet seen um, or been exposed to. Um, And so that, 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 you know, that that's reason for hope. Um, And then there's also district court. There's, there's other ways of, of having an appeal from just this one body. Okay. Any last things that uh, our families or our faculty should know? I think the important thing is that, you know, we understand that there's anxiety out there because there's uncertainty as, as to everything that's going on. But we are committed to um, communicating with staff and families as these things happen. That's why I really was excited about being able to talk with you today. Um, we we, we won't let our, our staff or our families not be given critical information about their school if they, if they need, you know, if, if there's critical information that exists that they need to know about. But everyone is working very hard to land this plane and to get back to just, you know, educating kids and not having to deal with politics so much. Um, and, you know, there's very, very much reason to be hopeful that this is all going to be settled soon. Um, but again, we we know that there's ultim- there's many ways of appealing this if, if that's something that we end up having to do and that the next school year is not going to be impacted. And all of those families in Tulsa and Oklahoma County aren't impacted even at all. So, um, 
you know, we we're very hopeful. We're very confident. And uh, we will continue to communicate about this to our Epic family as, as things occur for sure. Awesome. I think uh, it was in both episodes, the, the daring leadership and virtual leadership, Bart, Ben and David, um, you know, the Bart being the superintendent and Ben and David being the, the co-founders of the school, all of them said something to the effect of, can you imagine what will be possible when we won't have battles to fight outside of, you know, our own. So uh, I, I really thank you for coming on the show, setting the story straight and, uh, and informing our families. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I, I think that our organization is just so incredibly special and it, it has this collective heart and, you know, it's been a mission of mine to make our heart known to those outside of our organization and um, I think when they see it, they see our commitment and our dedication to the families we serve um, one person at a time. You know, they see what we're trying to do here. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the like button and subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified each time a new episode drops. If you're a returning listener, you should rate the podcast. Leave us a comment. Tune in next week where we're rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.